Welcome, everyone, to Audiobooks from Hell. I am your host, cheers, Sean DeRager. I am an audiobook narrator and uh, many other things. I don't know. And a podcast. Welcome to the welcome to the episode. Um, today, I'm very excited to uh, talk to my guest, John Baltusberger. Uh, has a book called Blood and Mud that is out right now on audiobook that I narrated. And um, you should check it out. Really, you should. Let me turn this music off because I'm just getting used to this uh, this whole, you know, video thing. I'm going to bring in John. John, are you done eating your burger? <laughs> Tough shit, I bring it in. <laughs> oh, wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm here. Ah, oh, there you are. <laughs> I'm here and I'm eating. I'm, I'm eating chips. Right on. Well, uh, look, if you have an aversion to people eating on podcasts or uh, YouTube shows, uh, John will be done in a couple minutes. But look, the guy hasn't eaten in apparently 12 hours. So we're going to let this uh, this guy eat. Um, we've been trying to get this uh, this interview going for quite some time. We've been going back and forth. And, uh, you know, our schedules, both of our schedules are pretty crazy. Um, you Then you, you had the whole crazy uh, snowmageddon type thing in, in Texas there. So it's been... A pretty crazy couple of weeks, so welcome uh, finally to Audiobooks from Hell. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, what I like to do when, I, when we first have a, an author on as kind of the standard question, um, but uh, you know, I gotta ask it. So, what what got you uh, hooked on writing? When did you start? You know, putting pen to paper, keyboard, finger to keyboard, and all that kind of stuff. When I realized that I could. Uh hire a seven-year-old uh, Filipino boy to ghostwrite for me. Like the world just kind of opened up and I could really write as many books as I wanted on any – no. Um, <clears throat> so a few years back in um, 20, 20 – uh, let's say 14, I was stuck in a – Dead-end job that I had been in for about a decade. I hated it. Hated every minute of it. Hated every aspect of it. And so I started writing as kind of a, a way out. Started submitting stories. Little little cosmic horror stories here and there. Um, I did some game writing for, uh, for local game companies. You know, fun stuff like that. And then in uh, 2016, I got a really... No, sorry. 20, late 2015, I got a really amazing job paid a bunch of money um i got to travel all over the place it was very cool then i got laid off in uh mid 2016 could not find a job for three years oh shit <laughs> and so i i was writing more at that point and i uh i said to my wife well why don't we start a publishing company because like what like what the fuck do we have to lose <laughs> like there's literally nothing to lose. We have no money. We have no, we have no objects to our name. Like screw it. We're already screwed. Let's do a let's do a uh, publishing company. And my dear wife looked at me and she said, <laughs> "She." I was expecting her to like shout yes, but she said, "Yeah, let's let's do it. Screw it." Um, but <clears throat> you know, I got. I first broke into the the current scene with my poetry, uh, my horror poetry, um, and, uh, and you know it's gone pretty well. Mm. It's gone pretty good so far. Um, I published five, or I was published five times last year. Uh, once self published, others by various publishers, and it's been cool. It's been a cool ride. Yeah. What uh, what what kind of fuels the the poetry? Was that something you're just like, let me give this a shot? Do you have you know, was there is there a background you have that kind of like, how do you lean well, more towards poetry or or? I don't lean more towards poetry. It's just people. I think I'm a good writer. You know, I think my I think my storytelling is uh, above average, uh, <laughs> which is why I do this. Right, this is. I think I can do this and people will enjoy it, so I do it. But um, people tend to have a much more visceral reaction to my poetry. Hmm. Um, you know, I get praised for, for storytelling and for writing, 
and the, but then that like that praise is exponentially larger when it's my poetry. Interesting. Um, and I started writing poetry as a stupid edgelord in high school, <laughs> uh, and I continued as a uh, pathetic edgelord in college. And then uh, basically, what happened is I would sit down every day to write a short story, and I would warm up to writing by writing a quick poem. Okay. In a different style, a different – I would look up a form of poetry that I hadn't written before, and I would try to write a horror poem in that format. Mm-hmm. And when I had a hundred of these poems, I put them together in a collection, and I uh, I was talking to some other publisher friends, and I talked to uh, Steve Dillon from Things in the Well, uh, who has published some Clive Barker stuff. Um, and does a lot of really cool indie stuff. And I said, would you have any interest in this? And he said, I don't know shit about poetry, but let me check it out. And he read it and said, okay, look, yes, I'll publish this. Uh, it came out, it got, it got on the Stoker recommended reading list, but, and that's not to part the kimono too far, but getting on the Stoker recommended reading list is not a uh, feat. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is fairly easy as long as you don't suck terribly. Right. Um, but that book hit number one on uh, Amazon for about a week and a half in poems about death <laughs> or poetry about death, and that was pretty cool. It's a very um, interesting. Uh, that's a very specific. You know. Oh, I'm all about category. that niche, baby. I'm all about that niche. <laughs> niche is how uh, I am consistently well uh, hitting those number one slots because <laughs> I write weird niche bullshit. Well, yeah, I my mean, su- secret to my success. <laughs> I mean, with with blood and mud. I mean, you know, a, a Jewish kaiju story, like a kaiju story steeped in Jewish mysticism. I mean, like, who would have thought? Was like with Satan as a basically lead character? Is like, I mean. Is he a villain? Is he not? I don't know. Maybe he's not a villain. I I certainly don't think of him as the villain of the piece. Um, you know, any more than any vigilante cop is, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't look at Batman and say, "Oh, he's the villain," but at the same time, he's going up and he's beating up some dudes. <laughs> he's going yeah. out into the street and beating up some dudes. Sometimes those dudes are actually innocent. <laughs> So, right. you know, uh, I wouldn't say that Sat- uh, Satan is the villain of Blood and Mud. I would say that he is um, a misguided and hurt person. Right. He's trying to make sense of a bad situation. Yeah. And, and, and that's the beautiful thing about well-written, you know, quote-unquote villainous characters or the characters that would be perceived villains is most of them, you know, if you're a good writer, if you're good at creating characters, are not just these mustache-twirling evil guys. They, in their mind, you know, they believe that they're doing the right thing. And um, not to spoil Blood and Mud, you know, but um, but he, in his way, he's wanting to kind of purge, you know, Earth of, you know, uh, of sin in a way. You know, and it's kind of like his, um, in his mind, he's like, well, these people, they all deserve it. They're, you know, these people are pathetic. <laughs> so, you know, so why not just uh, kind of start Earth off with a clean slate or whatever? But so, tell me a little bit about the about about Blood and Mud, about how it uh, came to be, and then uh, just a general overview so people can kind of get a feel if they if they haven't uh, read or listened to it yet. And then I'll, I'll interject as <laughs> as you go. Sure. Through. <laughs> I knew I wanted to do a kaiju Jewish thing. Um, I knew that like at the tail end of 2019, I was starting to get, um, I was getting known as a Jewish author and I was getting known as a, someone who writes kaiju stuff. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to combine the two things in a cool way. Uh, death said press was starting to take off. Uh, and so I talked to Jared and I said, I'm writing a thing when can I submit to you? And he gave me a dead, he told me, uh, sometime in March, you can submit to me. And so I said, okay, cool. And I started writing, uh, this book and 
I knew I knew it was going to involve Jewish versions of angels that were uh, culturally accessible due to pop religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they were going to be kind of alien in a way. They're going to be, again, Jewish characters. And so... Um, I just got started. I wrote, I didn't, I kind of wrote sporadically. This is before I really nailed down my, my method of writing, mm-hmm. which, you know, it took me maybe five months to write this 25,000 word book. And, uh, to put that in context, <laughs> it's taken me six months to write my current 60,000 word book. And it's taken me, uh, three months to write my current 35,000 word book. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, you know, you pick up speed and you pick up how far you can push yourself writing every day, the more you do it. And you also learn the limits of like, okay, if I write this much, I burnt out and then I can't write for like two weeks. Yeah. Uh, which I did. I did that to myself in, uh, this last November, <laughs> I got burnt out, and I was like, "All right, I'm not writing again until January." <laughs> you and me both. I mean, I got burnt out on. We talked on about it, stuff. yeah, because yeah, you know it was a, a you know pandemic year, you know, and uh, things are just upside down, and you know it definitely was like I was trying to narrate audiobooks, plus my job was ramping. You know, the job I'm my day job was ramping up with just the amount of work coming in. So I'm busting my ass all day, eight hours a day at the day job, at my computer at home, kids interrupting me every friggin' five minutes, <laughs> every five minutes, every, all the time, constant. I go downstairs for water, dead, 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 dead. So, you know, and then I tried it and then I try to like, all right, I'm going to have family time. And then at eight o'clock, I'm going to go in and record an audiobook. Mm-hmm. That didn't last mm-hmm. long. I mean, no. well, I mean, I did that for, you know, a good eight, you know, six, seven months. Mm-hmm. And then when November hit, I was like, and I, you know, the current book I'm working on, which is taking way too long, uh, called Behind Blue Eyes, I had, I contacted the author and I put everything on hold. I was like, I, I need to take December off of anything other than my day job and my family because I will go crazy. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it happens. And, you know, by the end of the day, I, when I first started writing, I'm a night owl. I'm an insomniac. Yeah. Um, my first I used started to be writing until last year. My first started writing. I would try to wait until my daughter went to bed and then write. And every day I would sit at the computer looking at that blinking cursor and just think, God, I can't fucking do it. I can't. I don't have the juice. And so now I get up every day at six a.m. Mm-hmm. and I write from six to eight or nine. Um, and get my uh, my quota of words out for the day, which like amazingly like frees you uh, frees you emotionally. Yeah, I no longer have the like ah oh, I'm I'm playing cyberpunk. I should probably be writing. <laughs> oh, I'm reading this book. I should probably be writing. I'm right. watching YouTube. I should. Pro-. Instead, you're like I finished my writing. I can I can do whatever else. It yeah. feels great. Yeah. And that's so I finished this book. <clears throat> that's okay? the chips coming up <laughs> on me. Yeah, and that, that, that's what I'm doing now. Granted, if, if my voice behaves itself, I, I'm up at five in the morning, uh, have some tea and everything, kind of get things going, and I'll and I'll try to knock out just you know a set amount of time to record and whatever I get done for the day for now until things are kind of a little more back to normal is what I get done. And then I kind of yeah. look back and I move forward, you know. For uh, so I, yeah, no, I think I th- I think getting creative stuff done early is really beneficial for a couple of reasons. First, like you have more mental energy. Mm-hmm. Two, as a writer, when you write, when you're still kind of groggy and sleepy, your brain is forced to create new synaptic connections. Um, there's actual science behind this. Interesting, yeah. Uh, and so you'll find new solutions and and create new things easier when you're sleepy. Hmm. Um, third, and this is most important for me, uh, Lucas Mangum, who you've narrated books for, mm-hmm. um, taught me this. 
if you sit down first thing and you write 200 words, you have set your momentum for the day. You will continue to write. You will continue to be able to do that. Whereas if you get up and you check Facebook and you wander around, maybe yep. watch some YouTube or whatever, man, your your momentum it doesn't exist. And your inertia has been set, and it's going to be way harder to really dig in and get that stuff out of you. Right. <clears throat> right. That's, I mean... I mean that's that's kind of the same thing for, I mean, I I wonder like how much work I would get done if I was just off social media, had no news, no nothing, you know, without a distraction, you know, because I feel, I felt this since I got an iPhone, so it's been years now, but I have felt that, you know, we carry around these distractions constantly, and I'll find myself just checking it just to check it. So it's yeah. like, so the, one of the big things I've been trying to break myself recently here is just don't look at the phone at all. Like, um, you know, don't scroll, don't scroll, like post with purpose. So if there's something to mm. pur- purposeful to post, I should post it. If it's, you know, if, if I'm actually going through, if I'm doing some marketing time, all right, so, uh, for this hour, I'm going to market. You know, learn how to schedule posts, learn how to, but don't get caught in the scrolling and the app opening and all this stuff. Um, and that's, it's a hard habit to break. I'm, you know, I'm you know, trying to, to try new things to just get the, create, the creativity flowing again. Cause it's been hard after, after this, after a crazy and unprecedented year, trying to kind of get back to normalcy in some way and, and kind of forego any excuses. Like I can't, I can't make COVID an excuse anymore for anything. Yeah. I just got to, yeah. it's been, a, it's been a year. You're going to have Same. a guest speaker in a second. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, my bulldog is behind speakers. me and she is <laughs> probably about to start growling. Uh, and it's going to be great. It's going to be great audio. You'll appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. So um, yeah. So trying to break those habits and kind of get things more like purposeful in what I'm doing because I, my days are busy and you know, I don't like, I don't need I don't need to be checking my phone every freaking five minutes. So like, so I'm almost like I'm trying to figure it out. Like, do I put it in a basket? You know, at the start of my day, what do I do? So I'm trying to work work a few things out. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. So what I so anyway, I did all this shit. <laughs> I, I did all this stuff to to make this book, and and finally I submitted it to Jared and. At the same time, I talked to a, my friend Paul Lubachewski, uh, the author of Gator God, uh, another ca- uh, a kaiju comedy book set in Florida. Uh, and I said, hey, man, do you have anyone that might be interested in a Jewish kaiju thing? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, send it to my buddy Tim Murr over at St. Rooster Books. And so I did. And like a week later, Tim came back to me and said, hey uh, – I thought you were handing me a comedy. I go, no, 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 I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry, no. Uh, I get that all the time, Sean. That's funny. Constantly, constantly people are telling me, like, I thought your book was going to be funny. I thought your book was going to be light. I thought this book was going to be, like, no. Yeah. I'm I mean, a splatterpunk, y'all. Yeah, well, I mean, the the thing that's great is, about Blood and Mud is, you tr- it's it's a it's a crazy the setup's ridiculous <laughs> the setup is absolutely ridiculous um you know a giant basically you know shit in sin globular kaiju right uh taking on the world led by you know created by satan and then of course you have the the you know um the military and our you know main character i mean but yeah, you treat it like all good B horror movies. Like all good B horror movies, they're playing it serious. They're not playing it tongue in cheek, and I, I love it. I love that type of storytelling. Now, you can kind of with splatterpunk and stuff, you can kind of go like Brian Smith's Kill for Satan is very much a lot of humor in there in that one, mainly because of the characters and the scenarios, right? Is is a, but um. But I mean, 
Like, but it's all, it is still all treated very seriously. Like, yeah. you know, it's not like, hey, I'm writing a comedy, booka, booka, boo, you know. <laughs> hey, isn't this idea ridiculous? No, as far as the idea yeah. and the plot goes, oh, well, we're serious as shit here. This is what's happening. And it's all, let's let the characters kind of react how they would react in that scenario. So. Yeah, and I, look, I like comedy. I love yeah. funny books. I just listened to, uh, I just listened to Mike Holland Rose's Embry. Uh, which is a story about a chicken uh, solving crime in a <laughs> egg-based uh, city <laughs> where chickens are kind of the uh, look-down-upon race. <laughs> it, it, like, I like I like Bizarro. I love Bizarro, but it's not what I write. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Timber got back to me and he said, hey, I thought you were going to... I thought this was going to be funny. Not not a whole lot of ha-has here. It's like, no, sorry, Tim. But he liked it. He wanted it. And um, and so he picked it up. I wrote a short essay kind of explaining the mysticism of it, which is in the back of the book. And uh, on the audio book uh, you made that I, I helped. Um, <laughs> I, I provided the audio for, like, you hear Sean narrating this, dark <laughs> gruesome book for two and a half hours and then i'm like ha, hi guys you want to hear about jews um and just the it's... most nerdy <laughs> nerdy like mouth breathing excited way i can possibly manage which it's is pretty Jew-ed big because i get education time y'all education time <laughs> i'm the jujicator well, um i you know yeah. i kind of and i kind of went back and forth on that i was like well should i just do it but I mean, you know, and then of, of course, um, you know, from like a production standpoint, any, any uh, audio producer I, I was talking to was like, no, you should do it. And I was like, but, you know, I was like, but it's such a, for me, it was such a personal thing with you. And like, and I, and I, I do take religion very seriously as far as somebody, what, you know, what people are, are uh, involved in, um, belief systems, even ph- uh, philosophical things. Like, it just, for me, I knew it was, we weren't going to get some you know, some booth, you know, audio, but I was like, as long as we get this thing to pass audible standards, um, which are pretty low. Um, (laughs) and as long as John's engaging, I was like, it's great. And, um, and I, I think it worked out because I was like, what, who better to tell you about the, the mysticism that fuels the story than the author. And, for me, it was like it was like it just made sense for me to to be like you know because I I had other narrators telling me like no you should just do it and I kind of went back and forth on it and there was another book that that I did earlier in my audiobook career that an author wanted to do the introduction and they gave me the audio and it was it was um you know it it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna work so I was right. like and and then I talked to other people they're like just skip the introduction because normally stuff like that for an audiobook you skip but. Oh. But um, but for this, <clears throat> this is like an like this was like I I didn't feel right just skipping it because it was such such gave people such an insight to you know to the kind of the whys of the book because you know we live in a Judeo Christian you know culture basically for the most part <clears throat> I guess um, so people you know then the, uh, someone's perception of Satan and, and these angels and stuff. You know, is like they'll be like, "What is this? That this isn't how I remember these angels being." And you know, and so I, I thought, you know, I I love that it's there. So, you know, I I know my strengths and my weaknesses. <laughs> weaknesses. It's been uh, it's been a good like, tw- not twenty five, like fifteen, seventeen years since I did voiceover work or <laughs> uh, uh, audio work. So I know, like my my practice is off, <laughs> but I know I'm not boring. Right. I know I'm not. Uh, I'm not flat. I'm not someone who you listen to and think, "Oh my God, can he talk? Just <laughs> can he change his voice even a little?" I know I'm. I know I'm not that guy. So, I know that I would be engaging. I knew that um, that while the audio wouldn't be perfect. I wasn't. I, look, I thought it would be better than it was. Uh, my computer. <laughs> I uh, I ran the ser. Essentially, my computer was the server for this last year's KillerCon. Oh, okay. 
And uh, after KillerCon, my computer decided to become noisy <laughs> uh, from hosting like 200 people for three days. <laughs> so um, my computer's noisy. I'm fixing that. I'm setting up a not a good sound booth, but a, a mic, a mini sound booth mm-hmm. in the uh, in the closet yeah. Uh, where I'll refuse to come out of since I live in the South. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it'll improve. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. But I knew that... I, look, if you had said, look, I'm going to handle it, I would have been like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I felt that since it was, A, not narrative, yep. and B, it was an essay written not scholastically, but directly in my voice yeah that would be very natural that way yeah um it's interesting you know it's interesting looking at uh reviews and uh critiques it's all over the map Uh, so first of all (laughs) if you if you want to go and check out the audible reviews for blood and mud you'll notice that narration always has five stars (laughs) um those reviews don't mean shit (laughs) i will uh, I didn't get my first under five star review until the audiobook came out. <laughs> and one of the guys was like, This would have been okay if it wasn't a kaiju thing. Three stars. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, buddy. You, like, look. <laughs> you know, um, you know what's funny about those reviews? Um, oh gosh, what's his name? I'm having a brain blank on his name. Let me see if I can find uh Michael Crichton. John Joe Rogan? Um, let's see. There's a narrator. Um, oh, uh, shoot! That I took a class from. He, I can't remember. I'm having a total brain fart on it. Anyway, <clears throat> I'll waste I'll waste time trying to find the name. Anyway, he he he's been doing audiobooks for years. In fact, he just did. I, t- I think I talked about him last time. He just did a. He just did the Ghostbusters novelizations narrations. Nice. Um. Um. But uh, he wrote something that uh, an article on his blog about reviews and about mm-hmm. posting reviews, and he said posting reviews from Amazon and Audible is like posting, you know, a note from your mom saying you did a great job in, you know, on your homework. Um, the 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 thing was like, look, if they're not reviews from like a publication, from like a, a critic or even someone in the industry, a critique. Um, those reviews, like as they're listener reviews, and they're fun. They're fine. It's, it, and as far as like marketing purposes goes, we do want to hit a certain number of reviews and everything for for Amazon to get us into the. That number is fifty. Please <laughs> review my books. Review the book. <laughs> but to get like, but to get hung up on reviews as creatives, as authors, as as narrators. Um, now, if there's a really well written review, I'm going to post it because it's because someone worked hard on those words. If it's yeah. just like if it's like a, eh, I don't like kaiju's, but uh, you know the eh, narrator's okay. If it's one of those, you know I'm not. We won't post that. But um, but it's one of so my long way around of saying like because a lot of us, you know, I remember my first one star review as a narrator, and like I <laughs> like it ruined my entire day. And I've learned, I live for those one star reviews. Are you kidding uh, it said, me? It okay, said, so, this is the worst narrator I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, look in the horror world, especially especially Spider-Punk <laughs> world, like one star review that like you oh, yeah. you I copy and paste. So I I published a book by Gino Rinaldi called All Men Are Trash. <laughs> um, all men are beep. Anyway. Oh man, we just got demonetized. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Amat. I don't know how monetization goes. I don't know. Gina's Amat. Uh, it makes a lot of people very angry. A lot of straight white dudes are super mad just because of mm. the title. They never read the fucking book, <laughs> but like they leave her so many one star reviews, just going off on men's rights tirades yeah. and and. Cis white scared of women BS. Every time they do, I, I, I have an image. I have a Photoshop page open on my computer at all times with Gina's cover, text where I can, I can, put the quote where I can attribute it in a one star, and I use that to market every time. Oh, uh, yeah, we had one for uh, for Lucas Mangum's Gods of the Dark Web, and it was like I couldn't 
ask for a better marketing than that than that sentence. It was which was it the was it the one where the guy didn't understand like the point of like the sex stuff? Because that no no that was his other book. <laughs> Uh, that was uh, engines. <laughs> there are a lot of people uh, who are who are reviewing, listening, and reviewing that get really hung up on sex stuff. Uh, oh boy, my next know? my next novella is going to upset a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's weird. They're like, uh, violence, fine. Beheadings, okay. Whoa, these people are horny. Mm, two stars. <laughs> you know, I don't, okay. I don't understand. So, okay, here's some. I want to read some of these reviews <laughs> to you though, because they're they're golden. All right. Just imagine, take All right. your money, eat your food, bite your dick. <laughs> Manny Rivera, some dude. If you're already offended, you wouldn't survive. Ah, there it is. Stop framing men. By the way, good luck, feminist. <laughs> At Aryan Fitness on Instagram, a Nazi. <clears throat> this book is nothing but blatant sexism towards men. Jay Lee, some dude. <laughs> like, it's just... Quote after uh, quote after moment after moment of dudes not reading the book but getting so mad. But I'll tell you something. That book made it to the top ten in men's adventure. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it's so good. Um, uh, so, yeah. Reviews. I love I, – I read reviews. I post reviews when they happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I totally agree that like – that – it is it is self-congratulatory. It is kind of masturbatory. <laughs> but it is also a way – fact of the matter is it's a way to say like, hey, if you haven't bought my book yet, buy my book right, without right. saying that. Without yeah. saying – because look, man, you and I both know we can post Please Buy Blood and Mud 9,000 times <sighs> and by the third time everyone's sick of it. Yeah. But if we say, hey, I got another review – uh, for Blood and Mud on Audible, and you post that review, that gives you a freebie. And yeah. you, so each time you get a review and you so can there, post it, that's a freebie you get. Yeah, there's a finesse to it. There's a way to use. There's a way to use it in in your marketing. Absolutely. Um, and like this article is mainly about people kind of just getting so hung up on the reviews, mm. and just like look, I love, look, you know. Um, now, now I don't, I don't know if he was talking about like marketing because you and I definitely use them for marketing because there's yeah. some good, there is some good lines you can use. You can, you know, <clears throat> just like a, you know, just like a movie poster, a little tagline, yep. a little, you know. Um, so there are a few and far, there are a few that show up that is like, oh, that's a great line. And why wouldn't we use that? Because someone actually, like, someone actually decided to give a shit and write something great, you know, mm-hmm. like like well written. Now, if it's a well written negative review. Give me that all day long, right? You know, mm-hmm. if there's critiques, if there's great stuff, give that to me because I'll, I'll learn from it. Oh, um, yeah, same, same, same. <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, I had to learn to kind of appreciate, you know, these kind of little reviews and, you know, I mean, at least it, at least it wasn't like, uh, at least that one-star review wasn't like, you know, Audiophile Magazine, like, you know, <laughs> reviewing me and I'd be, I'd be sunk. You know, it was... Uh, Coalition of Professional Audio Readers who will ban you for life. Yeah. One-star. It was an early book. It was an early book, and listening back, it's like, look, if you listen to a lot of audiobooks and you listen to that one, you can tell I was very green. But you'd be nice. Just be nice about it. Just be nice about it. Don't be mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, I never understood that. Like, you had the people that, that'll that'll give you critiques like, I wish they spent more time on character building. Which is a note I got on Trafe Magic. Fine. Uh, you'll notice in Trafe Magic 2 when that comes out, knock on wood, later this year, that there's a lot more character building and character in uh, uh, relationship building, as opposed to the review that's like these characters suck. You should chop off your dick with a saw. <laughs> like, okay, that doesn't actually help me learn. I mean, I'll do that if you'll buy yeah. the book, but like, <clears throat> does it help me? Don't worry, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna chop off my dick with a saw, love. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I'm under pretty sure my wife. You gotta make sure. Worried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> So, uh, blood and mud. Um, so, so that's that's out. Little novella. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I'm very. So, thank you for bringing that to me. That was a really fun one to narrate. Um, let's talk about uh, some of your, some of your other books. I know that uh, sure. War of the Dictates is uh, is something that you have have, have worked on, and um, I believe you're trying to find narrators for that one. Uh, but tell us a little bit about about War sure. War of the Dictates. War Not dictates. about the struggle of finding a narrator 
which I know it's uh, I couldn't. No, uh, I I will talk about that a little bit actually, but for a different <laughs> reason. A uh, War of Dictates is a book about Talmudic lore uh, at heart. Um, I recently did a uh, an episode with uh, Jay Wilburn. Uh, but we talked about it a lot. So, uh, you know, I'd rather point at that, you know, go check out at among the zombies on, on Twitter for Jay's feed, uh, because he's, a, I learned so much about writing just from like following Jay and listening to Jay, but you can see a lot of, uh, about war dictates there, but, um, it's a novella longer, longer than blood and mud. That is entirely in verse. Hmm. And uh, it spans a time frame from the Big Bang, from the approximate year of the Big Bang, Mm -hmm. um, to uh, 2020 CE. Wow. Um, There are some events I missed, but, (laughs) you know, I only had 26,000 words. Yeah, novella. Yeah. I might do a second one and fill in the blanks. This isn't a similar, similarian, 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 everybody. Yeah, no, I'm not. Look, look, if you want, if you want, if you want 120,000 words about elves and none of them are fucking, you can check out <laughs> JR all you want. Me, my elves going to, my elves going to get dirty. Um, no, no, that's not, ugh, sorry. Um, so, I started off with War Dictates. I wanted to write five stories in verse, all having to do with Jewish mythology. Mm-hmm. And then I started writing. Uh, I started with the Grigori, the Fallen Watchers uh, from the Book of Enoch. I went into the Nephilim uh, from the Book of Giants slash uh, Genesis during the Flood. From there, I went into uh, King Solomon's reign because there's a lot of Talmudic lore around that, uh, which also involves the main character, the main character of the book, Ashmandai. And after that, we get into kind of modern era uh, atrocities against the Jewish people, hmm. um, which I ended up like. This book was really difficult for me to write because I was talking about real danger real death real pain mm-hmm. um but war dictates has been nominated for a spider punk award for best collection hmm. uh it is the first to my knowledge it is the first poetry book uh to be nominated for the award and is the uh first jewish book to be nominated for the award so i'm very excited yeah uh war dictates is brutal it's an extreme horror book which is really interesting to do in um, in verse, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because in extreme horror, detail is key. Mm-hmm. The more explicit you get in the details, the better. But with poetry and verse, part of the art is uh, a succinctity with language, being able to to deliver a lot in a little. And so it was a really interesting challenge and people seem to really like it. So I'm, I'm very excited. I did have it open for narrators for a while and I received a number of, uh, auditions, but none of them were hitting the cadence <clears throat> that I needed it to hit. My poetry right. tends to be very influenced uh, by obviously horror authors like Edgar Allan Poe, um, but also by people like Langston Hughes mm-hmm. and E.E. Uh, e. Cummings and also Del the Funky Homo Sapien <laughs> uh, and the RZA and um, – <laughs> And MF Doom, may his memory be for a blessing. Um, And so there's all this alliteration. There's all these internal rhymes, and they were all being read very flat. It's like, you can't. You have to – 
you know, again, these are written these are written really inspired by hip hop, and in hip hop, your voice is an instrument. Your voice is a percussive instrument, and so read when reading those verses, especially, you have to hit the alliteration in a way that almost feels tribal, that feels visceral. Um, the book is full of action, and if you read action the same way you read everything else. There's no energy behind it. There's no feeling behind yeah. it. And so I I finally decided to to pull it off of open for audition and decided that I'm going to build a little sound room in my closet <laughs> by buy a fancy recorder and <laughs> uh and do this myself. Um I'm not a professional. Like you are, um, yeah, the jury's out on me if I'm a professional or not. But you know, but, <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> but I have done voiceover work. I have done poetry reading, <clears throat> and I do audio editing. Mm-hmm. So while I know that my, I know that War of Dictates won't hit the quality that I would expect from you. Oh, stop! Um, or some of the some of the other amazing narrators out there. I know that it will be read correctly, which I'm going to have a very hard time finding even a very professional narrator that could handle. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, uh, that's so interesting that you wrote that, it that you wrote basically as a, a poetic splatterpunk book. Um, yeah. and you know, but like anyone who's familiar with, um, you know, uh, I, the, like well, the Christians would say the Old Testament, but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, the Jewish uh, Bible, the <laughs> Jewish Bible, <clears throat> it's the Jewish Bible. Um, I mean, there's so much, there's so much violence, um, and so much crazy stuff that happens, you know, uh, in those stories, that mm-hmm. it does make sense, you know. I mean, um, there's so the many. Bible, stories. the Bible is a, the the Bible, especially the Torah. Is kind of a splatterpunk book. Yes, um, I was. I mentioned this in in my thing with Jay. I have to say it again. When when someone says, "My vengeance will be biblical," <laughs> you think like, "Oh, flood and lightning bolts and brimstone." If I no, there's a story. <laughs> Joseph had a sister and many brothers. Joseph's sister was taken against her will by uh, a village that they were staying at because they wanted to marry her because they wanted um, Jacob's wealth. They want his family's wealth. So like, okay, if we do this, they'll marry her to us and then we'll share in the wealth. Um, And so she came back to her family bleeding and broken and her brother said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll go to the village. And they told the villagers, hey, you did this. But it's fine. You can marry my sister. You can join our tribe, our family. You'll be rich. But you all have to be circumcised. And so the entire village, every man and male child, on the same day, probably using the same flint rock that Abraham had used, <laughs> got circumcised. A lot of foreskins. A lot. No. <laughs> Not as many as there will be later in the story. Um, <laughs> so that evening, all of the brothers rode into town and murdered every male in the village to a one. That is biblical <laughs> vengeance. That is splatterpunk. Yeah. Uh, later on, King Saul demands a hundred Philistine foreskins uh, from David in order to marry Saul's daughter. David is so excited about this, he delivers <laughs> 200 chopped up dicks. Hey, I, That's in the Bible. You need some chopped up dicks? I, I'm I a man. I can do that. I, I, I got, can. I got Will I Barrel. Do, I got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot of extreme <laughs> horror in 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 biblical literature yeah and and a lot of it doesn't make it into uh the cutting room floor after uh king james had his (laughs) wicked way with it but boy and like there's stuff that got left out of the jewish bible like if this made it in what didn't yeah guys 
Well, I mean, that's the thing, like, because uh, I, you know, I mean, I've, I'm always fascinated by religion and philosophy. I've, I've, you know, done my share of research. I was raised in a, you know, in a strong Christian home, whatever that means. And, you know, but it we... It means your read... dad would have four Bibles above his head. <laughs> yeah. We, I assume. <laughs> Well, we, we 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 would every every uh, Saturday morning we would have uh, you know we would do our Bible reading and everything so it's it's familiar to me, um, and I always knew like when 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 we were gonna read the Old Testament it's like oh there's gonna be some war and some violence so here we go you know um, but it was okay because it was uh, in the name of religion <laughs> but um so let's we got about fifteen minutes left okay and I want I'm I'm interested in your kind of your own spiritual journey. You know, with 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 Judaism, um, you know, with the J man is it? I mean, so I know a lot of people are either practicing or not practicing. Um, you know, so it's it's different. Um, so what what's your kind of uh, background with Judaism and and uh, how does that inform what you write? I was born a poor Baptist child in Texas. Wow. Austin, Texas, Brackenridge Hospital. They're tearing it down right now over there somewhere. <laughs> um, and I, in middle school, I was sure I was going to go into seminary and be a preacher. Mm. And I went to Bible camp. And the preacher got up there and he was just fucking awful. He was mean. <laughs> he was cruel. He delighted in cruelty. He delighted in telling these terrified children that they were going to hell. Mm-hmm. That their parents, if they got divorced, were going to hell. And I'm Baptist, man. And I, you know, I had just read the, prod- the story of the prodigal son. And I thought, what this dude's saying doesn't sound anything like what Jesus is saying. And like, this is supposed to be about Jesus. And so I started looking just at what Jesus was saying, right? Uh, I think the Red Letter Bible. Yeah. And the more I read that, the more I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. This does not track. This religion and this these teachings don't sync up in my in my emotions. And so I, I spent a long time searching. I researched Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam. I, I looked everywhere. And one day I was kind of describing my feelings about spirituality. And my friend Robert Dietrich said, huh. Well, man, it sounds like you're Jewish to me. It's like, Jew- no, what? So I looked into it. They're like, oh yeah, no, this is this is exactly it. Yes. Hey everyone. Um, I was 16 at the time, maybe 15 or 14. I was in that age, right? Mm-hmm. And so I started studying. I uh, I started living a Jewish life then. Mm-hmm. You know. Tw- 20 years ago now. Um, and it brought me a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. The community brings me a lot of joy. The The culture, the folklore, the customs, um, pretty much anything that doesn't have to do with Israel brings me joy. <laughs> um, and when my... Hmm. Oh, oh, Sorry about that. Okay. Um, Sorry, folks. We can't edit. Can't edit. Sorry, folks. No, no. That was a that was a piece of chip (laughs) on my uvula. Um, when my wife and I started dating, my wife and I had known each other for eight years, I think, at that time. Um, and so she knew me as being Jewish, but not you know didn't know much more about it than that. And I told her, like, she spent the night one night, and I said, hey, just to let you know, in the morning, I'm going to go to a synagogue. I'd like you to come with me, because it's an important part of who I am, because uh, I was, at that point, starting to go through the official conversion process. Okay. And she said, oh, okay, yeah, I'll come with you. And so she went with me that Saturday. She went with me the next Saturday, and after that second Saturday, she turned towards me and she said, I want this. I want to convert. And, you know, the joke is whenever you meet someone converting, it's like, oh, what's her name? (laughs) And I was in this weird position where I was, in fact, engaged. I was getting married, but I wasn't converting 
for her. <laughs> right. She right. and she wasn't converting for me, but we were both converting before trying to convert before our wedding. <laughs> uh, well, what's her name? Well, it's Desiree, but <laughs> yeah, uh, she's not. How much time you got? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we had a beautiful Jewish wedding. Uh, our rabbi, uh, who is incredibly supportive of my horrifying Jewish splatter. Uh, in fact, War Dictates, an extreme horror novella, was featured in the Good News newsletter my synagogue nice. sent out. And I thought, I looked, I watched it, I was like, this is the most horrifying shit that has ever been in a like religious <laughs> newsletter with like a smiley face next to it. It's real. Like, I know there's a lot of people uh, there's a lot of people, especially in the more orthodox communities, as with any fundamentalist community, that have been yeah. driven away by uh, by the more fanatic, the more intolerant people in that group. Judaism is not free of that. Mm-hmm. But my experiences in Judaism have all been beautiful mm-hmm. and loving and accepting. Uh, and that includes towards uh, my brothers and sisters who are uh, queer, who are trans, who are asexual, non-binary, includes people of different colors. Um, And that's really incredibly important to me because the thing that galled me the most about Christianity was the idea that one type of person was okay. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense to me in the context of a God worthy of worship. Yeah. Um, exactly. So that's, that's how we got to where I am now, where uh, I wear a hippa to, to horror events. <laughs> well, you know, the thing that I absolutely love about Judaism is that, um, that it's all about wrestling with who God is. It's yeah. all about wrestling with the text. It's about wrestling with, you know, it, our our place in this world. There's no, <clears throat> there's no like, oh, just read the book and there's all the answers right in there. It's oh, it's there's it's, so many books it's the though. Push it's the push and the pull of the text yeah. of the history of the stories of the mythology. They embrace the mythology. They they look at they look at the um, the Jewish Bible as not necessarily being 100% truth. It's but it's story. It's mythology. Sacred mythology. Um, sacred mythology. And that's what I really, really loved. Um, once I started learning more about about this, I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop here, and I'm not trying to do it to be like, look how amazing I am. I interviewed um, Stephen Tobolowski about his book um, um, a few years back <clears throat> on another podcast called um, The Armchair Philosopher. That I'm it's on it's on a temporary hiatus for a while until I kind of, <laughs> <clears throat> but I but his conversation really that conversation with him really enlightened me on. You know, on that wrestling, you know, wrestling with the faith, wrestling with belief, and they and and Judaism, for the most part, embraces that aspect of it. Um, you know, like um, like uh, was it Jacob wrestling with the angel, right? Like, there's this, you know, I mean, <clears throat> there's something beautiful about embracing questions, and and that I find like I'll gravitate to, gravitate to anything that will say. You know, you're welcome here to wrestle with the questions, to figure this out. You don't have to know it all. We don't know it all. We're all wrestling with this together. Um, that's the kind of, you know, faith that I always kind of gravitate to. And that's the one thing about Judaism that I really, really came to appreciate once I kind of started looking into that. And I'll say two things real quick. First is uh, Satanists love us uh because we ask questions we don't blindly yeah. accept things including our own faith and and religious leaders and that's that gives us big kudos from the uh <laughs> satanic temple uh followers um the other thing i'll say is you mentioned jacob wrestles the angel and then after he does that it says your name will now be israel mm-hmm. for you have wrestled with the divine mm-hmm. the name is the word israel <clears throat> And why you see so many uh, uh, synagogues named Congregation Beth Israel, Congregation uh, Amen Israel. It's not saying Congregation of this land, Congregation of this country. It's saying uh, Beth is people. It's saying this is a Congregation of people 
who struggle with questions about the divine, who struggle with the concept of the divine, who struggle to understand our place in this world. And that is an incredibly important uh, uh, conversation to have because built into that is the idea that we don't know. Yeah. And that's and that is not only okay, but laudable to understand yes. that you don't know. Because <clears throat> I was always taught like, you gotta make sure you know that you know that you know that you have your place booked in heaven. You know, Jesus you is in your heart. He will fight have, the demons that come at you. You got the plane ticket. When you die, you, you got the ticket to heaven. It's all about that ticket to heaven. You know, you gotta live this way and, and you know and, and like, uh, you don't even have to live away. You just say you just say Oopsie Daisy, just joshing you <laughs> on your deathbed. It's like, okay, no, look, you've made you, you did close the doors of your mega church, causing thousands of people to die in a flood. But gosh darn it, Joel, you said you're sorry. Come on in. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I hate Joel Steen so much. <laughs> well, I'm, I, uh, if I, you have I, a problem I, with me hating Joel Olstein, go ahead and tweet at my uh, my publicity manager at Joe Rogan. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm blocked. I'm uh, Joel Olstein has blocked me on Twitter um, because then you're doing I, something right. It was when he was when that happened. I was like, I said some expletives toward you know, and he apparently was blocking everybody. I think, um, yeah, whatever. Uh, no, anyway, um, we'll go on a rabbit trail here, but <laughs> but no, I mean, <clears throat> so that that's that's awesome. Like how you as an author are, and and Glenn Rolf and I talked about this on the last episode. Um, being an author and being a creative is about making your voice heard in this world because, you know, we're here once. So it's like, what what can we do to make our voices heard? How can we, you know, and creatives like us, you know, I'm a different kind of creative than you, um, but we are about kind of putting a stamp on this on this world. So when we leave, there's stuff still here, you know, that people can listen to or read that is, is our voice. And mm-hmm. if you don't have your own voice, then why are you doing it? So Glenn Rolf, you know, talking to him about him developing his voice and not, you know, not comparing himself to other authors, but about pursuing like, you know, how he writes and, and embracing that. And, you know, you've really done that with the blending of Judaism and horror, because I, I really do think for me, as in all the studying I've done, it makes so much sense. There, I mean, when you said, oh, this is a, uh, you know, Kaiju, Jewish kaiju, and then once I started reading it, I was like, "Oh, this makes so much sense!" What <laughs> you know, um, it didn't. I didn't even have the bat and eye once I kind of got it. And it's that's that's your thing. It's your voice, and I think it's fantastic. And, you know, uh, and I, you know, uh, Lucas Mangum says something that he got from Joe Lansdale. Joe Lansdale, gosh, I hope I'm attributing that quote right. Says, <laughs> um, "I don't write in a." The genre I write in is the Joe Lansdale genre. Lucas says, I don't I write in the Lucas Mangum genre. And that's what I strive for. Um I you know, I want to write my books. Mm-hmm. However, I want to write like I'm writing a sci-fi thing right now. I just finished an extreme like extreme <laughs> uh, horror kaiju thing. I'm writing another Jewish thing. I don't want to be tied down, but I want all of them to be my books. Yeah. Yeah, right. And and no matter what genre, so yeah, your 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 voice shouldn't be limited to genre. Exactly. Um, it's about you know because because even even the greats we always mention Stephen King has mentioned a lot on this podcast, but Stephen King, you know he's he's his own genre, um, but he writes not just horror. You know he's not just I mean you know his latest is like a kind of a like a small town boomer cop heroics. Yeah, I need I just got it. I need to read it. One of these days I'll find time to read it. Um, no, you won't. I won't. It's still you know, it's gonna sit on my stack until I'm retired. I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep sending you. I'm just gonna keep sending you weird stuff. I'll never get to it. Give me weird stuff. Give me weird stuff. I want it. But yeah, I mean, look, look. I'll find time. I'll find time. It's uh, it's been a weird year and a year and a few months. Um, it's been a weird year. Pretty much to now, like now, is about a year since all the COVID stuff hit. Yep. But um, but no, I mean, I I think it's great. I love it when. Um, when authors embrace their voice, and, uh, and you're definitely you're you're one of them. There's a lot of authors out there just writing, 
they write stuff, it sells, and, you know, it sells okay, it sells good, they keep writing the same stuff, um, you know, I'm, I'm, my personality, the things that I gravitate to is, like, what's bizarre, what's crazy, what's, what's gonna make me think, what's gonna be, what's good, um, you know, I, I want something different each time, you know, um, so, you're one of the authors that is going to deliver that, like you, Lucas Mangum, um, even like, you know, Joe Lansdale, like all these guys, um, you know, you know, it's their books, but you know, you're going to get something pretty original and, uh, in your wheelhouse, in your wheelhouse as a horror fanatic or whatever, but it's going to be original and, and not, you know, the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. Like these, uh, like these, um, I don't know what they're called. Harem, uh, the harem lit yeah, RPG. Yeah, the harem series. stuff with like the, it's, I'm a manga guy and I have a bunch of big titty cartoon girls around me and we're just gonna, I'm gonna play a game and we're gonna fuck. Oh ah. uh, man, I probably should send you my next, uh, my next book then. Damn. Uh, that, it's, I called, it's called, it's called Big Titty Manga, uh, manga Guy and the Adventures <laughs> of Big Titty Sand. There's a lot of quicksand. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I mean. Sex in it, but. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry it's about fine. it. Look at look at. There's certain genres that I just don't get, you know. And I'm gonna, you know, like, like the whole harem stuff. I don't understand it. And it's funny because a friend of mine, the author A. Warren, he had to change his awesome sci-fi art to the Talon books because they kept getting confused with the uh, the harem books. People were like, "There's not enough fucking in this books." And he's like, "No, this is space opera. What are you talking about? This is like a space barbarian. There's no fucking. I mean, there is, but not like explicit." Yeah. Uh, and, look, but, I understand yeah, so harem. I don't understand good RPG. Like harem, okay. <laughs> it's it's derogatory male fantasy. I get that. It's some people's thing. <laughs> yeah. Porn yeah. exists. I I understand. Yeah. But when it's like, okay, what the character is a loser? who goes into a video game and then there's a loser there, but he also gets laid. Like you can skip the being a loser part. Bask, like make yourself a rad barbarian. Yeah, I know. Be a rad I, uh, space barbarian and, and wet your beak. Yeah. Is that the I, phrase? I don't know. I don't know. I actually will be narrating a lit RPG, um, by the author of behind blue eyes, the book I'm working on now. But, um, the way she writes, I'm expecting her to turn that whole genre on his head because I wouldn't. I, I'm, I'm like it. Here I am. Gonna, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna cut myself out of a bunch of narration work, but you know, I'm not a fan of the lit RPG stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping. I'm like, and the way that she writes, I know that it's gonna be, it's gonna be. She's gonna twist it um, to something her own style, which is great. Give me more of that, everybody. Um, but yeah, lit RPG. That was like that's like Ready Player One was got you know took off, and then everyone started writing their versions of Ready Player One, basically. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. I don't know. Like with most with most genres, there's a lot of noise, and a few really good things float to the top. You know. So. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But yeah, there's. I mean, I you know I don't get the uh, I don't get the the crazy. Uh, bondage dominatrix uh, romance stuff. I don't understand that. Sells like hotcakes. Yeah, it does. I, I don't I don't get it. I know. I mean, you know, I'll narrate one if there's money involved. But, <laughs> but you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to read something like that. Um anyway. All right. Well, <clears throat> this can this this conversation could devolve into us lambasting other genres. And it I could, stop. but but we shouldn't uh, because we love you all. We love you all, authors and fans alike. <laughs> Look, like I said, there's always good stuff uh, that that rises to the top. I, there's a, there's certain certain genres that are overrun. I think just overrun, and I think lit RPG romance is always going to be romance. Uh, the, uh, Amish romance, Amish romance apparently is huge. I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't know. G- you know, good on everyone for making money off this stuff. Awesome. I don't get it. More power to you. <laughs> All right. Uh, John Baldisberger, thank you so much for joining me on Audiobooks from Hell. Blood and Mud, out on audio right now. Uh, voiced by uh, yours truly. Written by, oh, hold on, written by this guy right here. See, now i got my directions right. There we go. So check that out. Uh, <laughs> um, grab all, all uh, John's other books. Um, Madness Heart Press, yes? Yep, manishard.press um, is where we publish, and kaijupoet.com is my personal author page. Yes. 
Um, I will be narrating at some point Extinction Extinction Peak. Um, but uh, Not by me, but published by me. Published by Manus Art Press. Uh, I need to get to it, but I'm excited. Uh, Lucas Mangum and Dinosaurs? Yes. I can't wait. So that'll be coming some point this year. <laughs> I can't make any promises on any of my narration because I am slow as fuck right now. I don't know. All right. Uh, John, thanks again for joining me. Thank and, you for having uh, me. Let me switch the camera to show just me. Oh, there we go. And uh, I'll talk to all of you guys next week. Thanks for listening, watching, whatever. Bye-bye. <laughs>